So the purpose uh, of Advent is uh, it's really called the arrival. So it's a preparing our hearts for the arrival or the coming of our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be celebrating the arrival, the coming of Jesus uh, by simply looking at the story of the birth of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, we're going to do that through the eyes of a normal, everyday person uh, that God used in a significant way to bring about uh, his coming, to bring about his rescue of us, and that is uh, the person uh, of Mary. And so this morning, we're going to look at Mary, we're going to look at this, uh, this teenage virgin uh, that God used to bring about his rescue and salvation of us. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to, to Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one maybe on your seat that's next to you. The verses will eventually be on the screen um, as well. But let's, let's read these verses together. Let's just uh, take a simple look at the story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, and let's look at what God has done to bring about um, our salvation. Let's start reading in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, her who is also called barren. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, as we look more in depth at the story, the birth of your son, Father, we ask that you will help us to enter into this story. That, Father, it would not just be some distant story in the past, even though it is a historical fact, historical event that has taken place. But, Father, that you would help us to enter into the story and see and be astonished at what you have done to bring about our rescue and salvation. That, Father, we would be amazed by what you have done, that we would be uh, in wonder uh, uh, of who you are and what you have done to bring about our reconciliation with you, to bring about uh, this new life, this new future, this new hope and new dream that we have in your son, Jesus Christ, who was born uh, to this teenage, poor, humble virgin named Mary. Come, Father, and do a great work among us that we would worship you in a greater degree this morning and that we would surrender our lives to you. 
as Mary surrendered her life to be your servant, that we too would surrender our lives to be your servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, in his book called The Hidden Christmas, the author, uh, Tim Keller, explains that Mary's faith happens in stages. And so Mary's uh, faith in this story, in, in, in Luke, is this picture of kind of this process of faith that many of us walk through within the Christian faith. And I think he's totally spot on. I think he's right. Because you see, most of us uh, do not go from being uncommitted to Jesus to committed to Jesus in a single moment. For most of us, it is a process. The process of committing our life to Jesus Christ looks different, but the end is the same. It is this giving over of our life and our future and our hopes and our dreams. It is an act of surrender to the God of the universe. So the end is the same, but the process to get to that end looks different for many of us. And in his book, he gives two really good examples. He gives an example of John Bunyan and the example of the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with John Bunyan, he uh, is the author of one of the most uh, famous Christian books outside of, uh, of the Bible called The Pilgrim's Progress. But for two years, John Bunyan struggled with depression and despair and agony because he knew the doctrine of the Christian faith. He knew what the doctrine of the Christian faith uh, revealed to him and that he was a rebellious sinner and that God is holy and righteous and therefore John Bunyan was under the wrath and displeasure of God. And so for two years he struggled knowing what he deserved as a result of his sin and as a result of his rebellion that he deserved punishment. For God cannot sweep sin under the rug and pretend like it's not a big deal. For the wages of sin is death and John knew that. So for two years, he struggled with this. He wrestled with this. He went into this place of depression and despair and agony for two years. But at the end of this, God shone the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ into his heart. And John finally saw Jesus as he is. This replacement, this substitute that Jesus is John's punishment and that Jesus is a John's righteousness. And all of a sudden, this peace and joy flooded John's heart and it felt like he entered into paradise in that moment because he finally saw the truth of who Jesus is. But it took him two years of this agonizing despair and depression. But the Philippian jailer, for example, it happened in a moment. The gospel was presented to the, uh, to the jailer, and in a moment, understanding came, uh, faith came. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. He gave his life to Christ, and immediately he was baptized. But here you have Mary. And so she's kind of somewhere in between. She's somewhere in between John Bunyan, and she's somewhere in between the Philippian jailer. And I'm assuming that her faith process is like many of ours. It didn't happen necessarily in a moment, and it may not have taken a two-year uh, uh, really faith battle uh, to bring about our faith and our surrender to God. So I believe that God has something that he wants to teach us and show us this morning 
through, the, through, through Mary's process of coming to believe and surrender her life to God. So the first thing that we need to notice is this. The first thing that we see is that Mary had a very, very difficult time believing. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You should call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Listen, unbelief and skepticism is common in a person's faith process. And we see it here in Mary. So she hears the, the gospel message from the angel, right? That, that, that she would have a child, and this child would be called the son of the Most High, and her baby would be a king uh, that would rule over this eternal kingdom, and this baby would be God himself in the flesh, and his name is Jesus. And Mary responds by what? By saying, how can this be? How can this be possible? How can this be when, when, when I am a virgin? In other words, Mary is saying, this is unbelievable. This is impossible. This is absurd. I mean, how can this happen? How can this be? And I mean, let's be honest, like who, who can blame her, right? I mean, how many of us have said, yeah, right. Like this is unbelievable. This is crazy. This is impossible. And many of us have, and we do. We've said the words, how can this be? This is a natural part of our faith process, to have questions, to have doubts, to say this is unbelievable. This is hard to believe because the reality is it is. The gospel is hard to believe. It is uh, unbelievable. I mean, let's, let's just be honest and say right now that to, to believe the story that this teenage virgin in the backwoods of a place that, that most of us have never heard of, apart from uh, just reading uh, the scriptures, miraculously came, became pregnant, not by natural means, but by supernatural means, and she gave birth to the Son of God? Really? I mean, how can this be? And, and this, this child would be named Jesus, and he would be the one who would, who would grow up to, uh, to, to, to save his people from uh, their sins, and this baby would be born, and he would be the king of an eternal kingdom uh, that would never end? Really? That's pretty hard to believe, isn't it? And, and for, for those of us who simply uh, confess with our mouth that this baby uh, born to this teenage virgin would be the king of kings and lord of lords and believe if you're in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you submit your life to him, you'll be saved? Really? This baby born to this teenage virgin? That it's through faith in this baby born to this teenage virgin? Through faith in him and him alone that a person is made right with God and is justified? 
I mean, you mean to tell me that it's not about uh, me living this good life and uh, for me to be uh, this kind of good, uh, kind person is enough uh, for salvation, but it's through faith and the work and the person of this baby born to Mary that is ultimately going to save me and forgive me of my sins and uh, allow me to be a part of his eternal kingdom? Man, that is really hard to believe. That is, seems impossible. And the reality is, it is unbelievable. It is hard to believe. But for many people, this is where they stop in the faith process. They stop right here. They, they, they can't get past their skepticism. Skepticism. Can't get past your doubts. You have to have all the, uh, the answers to your questions uh, answered before uh, you move on. And, but, but they don't move on uh, past this uh, part in the stage. But listen, is this where you're at this morning? Is this where you are? In a place of, of doubt, in a place of skepticism. If this, is where you're, if this is where you are, let me encourage you to continue on. Don't stop pursuing truth. Even if you don't have all the answers to your questions answered, even if you feel like this is a really hard thing to believe and you're finding yourself saying, how can this be? How can this be possible? Uh, keep going because listen very carefully. The most dangerous thing that you can do in your faith process is not to doubt. It's not to have questions. It's not to wrestle with things. It's to give up. It's to stop. The most dangerous thing that you can do in the process of faith is actually to stop and turn back and not to continue to go. Because listen, there is another stage in this process. And many of us, and Mary, God has brought along this process. And my hope and prayer for you is if you're in this place of doubt and skepticism and you have so many, many questions, you will continue on in this process and that you will come uh, to, this, to, to, this, to this stage in the process called surrender. Surrender. Look at verse 38. So after all of this is said, after all of this, how can this be? How can this be possible? And the, and the angel explains all of the, uh, the explanation to her. She says in verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Listen, Mary did not have all the answers. But she took the most critical step in the process of faith. And what did she do? She surrendered. She submitted and she trusted God despite her fears, despite her doubts, despite not having all the answers to her questions answered. And this is a huge, huge, huge necessary step in the faith process. This is, this is critical for all of us to take. And especially for Mary, because think about Mary's reality now. Let, let's try to put ourselves in the shoes of Mary. Let's try to put ourselves in the story. Here you have a teenage girl, and she's engaged to a teenage boy, and she's pregnant. How's she going to explain it? I mean, what is she going to say to everyone in the people of Nazareth? What is she going to say to her, to her family and friends? There's really only two rational explanations, right? Either Mary and Joseph, uh, you know, before marriage, right? On those kids in here, did, before marriage, right? Or she was unfaithful. There, there's only 
uh, two rational explanations, right? It's not like uh, the explanation the angel gave to her was rational. It's not a rational explanation. Oh, guys, it's not what you think. I mean, this, you know, Joseph and I didn't do this, you know? And, and I wasn't uh, unfaithful to, to Joseph. Actually, uh, the angel Gabriel visited me. Yeah, uh, he came into my dorm room. And I was just chilling, and all of a sudden, uh, the angel Gabriel says, hey, you're going to become pregnant uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to have a baby. Uh, it's not going to be just any baby, right? I mean, it's not going to be yours. It is the very Son of God. It is the Messiah who you have been praying for, and you've been waiting for all of these years, and his name is Jesus, and he's going to save his people from uh, their sins, and he's going to be the King of the Most High. That's not a rational explanation, right? I mean, are you kidding me? This, she's not going to be able to say this to, to her family and friends. But here she was. And now this is Mary's reality. Life was not going to be the same for Mary and Joseph anymore. Like it doesn't really tell us in the text, but I, 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 I'm just assuming here that Mary and Joseph had a, a lot of conversations about hopes and dreams, about their future, right? I mean, Joseph was going to work a respectable job as a carpenter and provide for his family. They're going to have a, a nice little home uh, in, in a quiet town of, of Nazareth, and, and they're going to have a family of their own. But at this moment, all of her hopes and all of her dreams were crushed, and she was given something else. She was given, essentially, this burden that she was going to have to carry. She was going to have to endure the shame and the whispers and the mocking. I mean, she was going to have to wake up every morning uh, within the everyday stuff of life and uh, the pain of hearing what people say. Oh, that's Mary. Oh, that's her baby. Uh, that's, uh, we don't know whose it is. I mean, this was now her reality. So what did she choose? What would you choose? In, in light of the shame, in light of the pain, in light of crushed hopes and dreams and reputations, what does Mary do? She surrenders her life and her future and her reputation and where she finds value and worth and the comforts of life, and she responds in the most incredible faith. And what does she say? She says, let it be. Let it be. In other words, let the mockery come. Let the shame begin. Let the whispers go forth. Whatever comes to me, whatever comes to my family, whatever comes to Joseph, whatever comes to my son, I surrender my hopes, I surrender my dreams and my reputation, where I find my value and worth, I surrender everything to you because I am your servant. Listen, this is the call to be a Christian. This is the call to follow Christ. Total surrender. Because listen very carefully. Despite what popular theology teaches and pop culture Christianity, Christianity is not about health, wealth, and prosperity. It is not about living out your God-given potential and dreams. It was not like Mary's dream was to wake up every morning and the shame and the whispers and the looks of the people of Nazareth, but this was her call. And she surrendered. Why? Because she realized, now listen very carefully, she realized, she understood, she recognized 
who it was who came to her. God himself, the creator of all things, her king, her maker, her master. And listen very carefully. When the God of the universe comes, he deserves her surrender. He deserves your surrender. He deserves my surrender because he is the creator and we are the creation. And we have no right but to surrender everything when the God of the universe comes to us. I heard this story that um, this guy speaking at this Christian conference, and he was speaking on uh, turning your lives over to God and doing his will and not your own will. And the speaker asked two questions. He said this. He said, first, are you willing? Are you willing to obey anything in the Bible and what the Bible clearly says to do, whether you like it or not? And the second question is this. Are you willing to trust God in everything that he sends into your life, whether you understand or not? And he goes on to say, he says, if you cannot answer yes uh, to these two questions, you may believe in God, you may believe in Jesus in some general way, but you have never said to him, I am your servant. Are you the Lord's servant? Are you willing to lay aside your hopes and your dreams and your future? Are you willing to say yes to whatever God brings into your life, whether you understand it or not? Are you willing to say yes to the creator of all things, the creator and maker of you, the creator and maker of the galaxies, when he comes to you and says, follow me? For the truth is, Christian faith is not choosing to do some things God asks you to do and to choose not to do other things. It's not about doing the things that will only bring us comfort and make our lives prosper. Christian faith ultimately is about total surrender. It is about the surrendering of your life and your future and your hopes and your dreams to the God and the universe. So the biggest question that we have to ask as we go throughout this faith process to help us make this, this decision as, yes, I will surrender everything, is this. Can we trust him? Jesus, can I trust you? Can I truly trust you with my future? Can I truly trust you with my eternal destiny? I mean, when you say that you are the way, the truth, and life, can I trust you? Can I believe you? Can, can, I, can, I, can I truly give you my hopes and, and my dreams and all the things that I, that, I, that I think are best for me in life? Can I give those to you, believing that, that, that what you have for me is significantly better than what I have for myself? And the answer to this question is a resounding yes. We can trust him. But why? How? We can trust him. Because you see, every sacrifice that you make, every, every sacrifice that I make in surrendering our life and surrendering our hopes and surrendering our, 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 our futures and our dreams, the baby, guys, who would be born to this teenage virgin would one day sacrifice infinitely more to give you and me something better. Now, this baby 
who would be born would grow up and he would sacrifice everything. He would surrender everything to give you and me a, a new life, a, a new future, new hopes, and new dreams. And this, guys, is what Christmas is, is really about, and that is total surrender. The total surrender of a poor teenage virgin and the total surrender of the king of heaven who chose to be born to this poor teenage virgin named Mary to give us the greatest gift of salvation. Jesus, the king, surrendered everything, his divine power, his fellowship, perfect fellowship with the Father in heaven. He gave up everything and he, and he took on flesh and blood and he came and he took on the humility and the shame of being born into a stable and to be born to, uh, to scared but brave teenage parents in a podunk town that no one has ever heard of. I mean, the king of heaven, guys. The king of heaven. The king of heaven and earth. The one who's made all things. The one who deserved to be born in the castle to the best doctors, to total news coverage, was brought low. And he grew up, and he grew up and he lived this perfect, obedient life to the Father that none of us have ever lived. And he surrendered everything. And his obedience to the Father actually led him to, uh, to a garden where uh, he was going to, right before, uh, he was going to make the ultimate act of sacrifice. And here in the garden, before Jesus goes to the cross, we see a greater and very, better Mary unfold before us. We see Jesus in the garden before his father, knowing what was about to come to him, saying, Father, is there another way? Is there another way of, of surrender? I mean, do I have to go through this act of surrender, the act of the cross, the suffering, and the spiritual separation from you to purchase a people that you have given me to forgive them of other sins and to bring them into my eternal kingdom. Is there another way? If so, let it be. Let it be. Let, 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 let there be another way. But Jesus knew that there was no other way, that the cross was his only way of active surrender. And so he continues and his faith causes him to cry out, not my will. Not my will, Father. Not my will, but your will be done. May your will be done. Why? Because I am your servant and according to your word, let it be done. I surrender everything to you. And because Jesus, this baby born to this teenage virgin named Mary, and because of her surrender and Jesus' surrender, he's purchased your salvation. He's purchased your forgiveness of sin. He's purchased your entrance into his eternal kingdom. And if you surrender your life to him, he'll give you a new life. He'll give you a new future. He'll give you new hopes. He'll give you new dreams full of peace and joy and everlasting life. But it's going to cost you your life. It'll cost you your life. It's going to cost you your reputation. It's going to cost you your hopes. It's going to cost you your dreams. You will have to carry the cross of surrender if you choose to follow Jesus. That's the call. But because Jesus surrendered everything, because he surrendered everything, he gave up everything 
to rescue and save us, then it is, it is possible for us to see Jesus and to see that he is worth it and what he promises to give to us is so much better than whatever we can give to ourselves or whatever this world promises to us so that it enables us to say, Jesus, if you did this for me, if you willingly decide to be born to this teenage virgin in the backwoods of a place we've never, no one has ever heard of, if you, if you willingly surrendered everything, I can trust you. I can trust you. Even though I've got some still doubts lingering, even though there's a little bit of skepticism, even though I, I don't have all the answers to my, to my questions answered, I can trust you because I see you as who you are, and that is the king and savior who came to rescue me. And I will trust you. I will give you my life. This is Christian faith. Do you have it? Christian faith is one of total surrender. To surrender to the God of the universe who surrendered everything to rescue and redeem us. This is what Christian faith is. It's one of total surrender, but it's also one of amazement and wonder. Look at verse 39. We haven't read this yet, but verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country in a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why uh, is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in, in God my, salvation, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, for now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and he has brought down the, the mighty uh, from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has fulfilled the hungry with good things, filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. It seems at this point, in Mary's faith process, uh, the reality of her faith is finally catching up to her feelings and affections and emotions, right? Like sometimes there is this lag uh, when we have faith and we understand uh, some things of the Christian doctrine. And, and it, it takes a little bit for our emotions, infections, and feelings to catch up. We can't base everything on emotions and feelings and affections, but they are important because we see him there. We see him here. It's kind of like uh, Mary goes through this process of saying, how can this be? To I surrender, now I am so amazed by you, O oh God. Now, how did this happen? It happened because Mary uh, finally came to this place in her faith process where she realized and recognized what her God had done for her. Not, not what she had done for God in surrendering uh, her life to him, but she was amazed at what her God had done for her. And what did God do? God chose, 
Listen very carefully. He chose to save many uh, from within the world through the simple, poor, teenage virgin named Mary. And she finally understood this. She, she finally understood and saw that, that God from the foundation of the world, guys, has been preparing and planning for this day, for this time in history, when the Son of God would be born to save his people from their sins. And God chose Mary to be the means through which the Son of God, the Savior, would be born into this world. And Mary was overcome with joy. She was astounded. She was astonished. She was in a sense of wonder that God would chose to give her such an amazing gift. It was 100% by His grace. It was 100% by His favor that chose Mary out of all the teenage virgins in the world. And she was full of praise and thanksgiving and wonder to her God who gave her such an amazing gift. What about you? If you are a Christian here this morning, are you amazed? Are you astounded? Are you astonished that God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world? Or do you feel like you kind of deserve that salvation? Are you astounded? Are you amazed? Are you astonished that God, the God of, of, of heaven and earth, the maker of all things, chose to enter into this world? He came to us. He came low through this poor teenage virgin, and he did this to purchase your salvation. Are you amazed? Are you astounded? Are you amazed that at some point in your life he came to you? He came to you. In his grace and favor, he came to you. You, out of all the peoples of the world, he came to you and he spoke to you, not through the angel Gabriel, but he spoke to you through his word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he called you to himself. He gave you eyes to see Jesus for who he is and for who you are. And, and through his calling, you gave your life to Christ and he forgave you of all of your sin and he's given you a place in his eternal kingdom. He did this for you. For you. Listen, if you have faith in Christ this morning, it is a miracle that you have faith in Christ. It is supernatural. God did this for you. By his grace, he saved you. By his grace, he sought you. By his grace, he called you to himself for you. Do you see this? And, and as a result of seeing this, does it cause you to cry out like, like Mary cries out? Does it, does it, does it cause you to, to sing the song of, of praise that, listen, God, I am not sure why you looked upon me in my humble estate, my humble and helpless state, but you did. You did. I, of all the peoples of the world, why should you visit me? Why should your love be set upon me? Why should your grace, why should your favor rest upon me? I don't deserve it, but it does. All I deserve is separation. All I deserve is death as a result of my rebellion towards you, as a result of my sin. I don't deserve anything but punishment. All I deserve is the wages of sin is death. But here you are and you set your love upon me before the foundation of the world and your grace and favor sought me and saved me. And because of this, my soul magnifies you. My soul rejoices in you, my God, my Savior, who would do this for me, who would do this for you. 
Isn't this amazing? Isn't this wonderful? That the maker of heaven and earth would come and be born to this teenage virgin. And be born in the backwoods of a place that no one has ever heard of. And he grew up and he lived a life that none of us lived. And he took our place on the cross to purchase salvation, our salvation. And he came to us and he sought us and saved us and called us to himself. This is amazing stuff. And it's a miracle that we believe. Because this is unbelievable. It's impossible. How could this be? All things are possible with our great God. Amen? Guys, it will do our souls so good this Christmas to continue to think about our humble estate and what God has done to save us and rescue us. So listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want my soul to be numb this Christmas by all the distractions, by everything that's just kind of calling out to us. Pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. What I want for myself and for you and for my kids and my family this Christmas is for I want us to be amazed and I want us to be astonished at what our God has done to save us. So this is, this is what we can do. This is, this is the deal. We've got a choice to make, right? We can either be consumed with other stuff this Christmas or we can be consumed with our God. We can be consumed with the story. We can, be, we, can, we, can, we can read the story on a daily basis and put ourselves in the story and just be astonished and amazed at what our God has done uh, to save us. That's the, that's the decision we have to make. That's the, that's the choice uh, we're going to have to make uh, this, this Christmas is, is what are we going to be consumed by? What are we going to put our thoughts on? What are we going to put our, our, our time into? Is it going to be uh, the, the, the things that the, the world is telling us, hey, hey, come to me, come to me, come to me, or are we going to come to our God and be amazed at what he has done? Let's choose this, amen? Let's choose this. And let's be amazed at our God who surrendered everything. He surrendered his life. He surrendered his son. The son surrendered everything to purchase our salvation. And for every single person here who surrender our life to Christ and to Christ alone, we have a new life, we have new future, we have new hopes, we have new dreams. So here's the question. What do you need to surrender to him this morning? Have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever given your life to this baby who grew up to be the savior and king of mankind? Have you trusted him with your life? Maybe you're wrestling with some doubts. Maybe you have all the questions. Listen, give your life to him. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your questions. He can handle your skepticism. Take that step of faith and surrender to him. Give your life to him. Give your sin to him and trust him that your past, present, and future sin is taken care of because he bore it in his body on the cross. And he rose from the dead to reign over all things, including your life. Give your life to him. Listen, is he calling you to do something? Is he asking you to do something? Maybe you've given your life to him, you've surrendered, but he's asking you to do something and you just need to trust him. You just need to give it to him. I don't know what that is. Maybe he's brought something into your life and he's just asking you, just trust me, just trust me. I can handle this. This is for your good. Just trust me, trust me, trust me. What is it that you need to surrender to him this morning? I don't know what that is, but I hope that you do and I hope that you will take the step of faith and trust him.
how can you trust him? Why should you trust him? Because after all that he's done, he is so worthy of our trust. He is so worthy of our surrender because he is the God of all creation who came to us and surrendered everything that we may have life. Amen? What do you need to surrender to him this morning? Let's pray. Father, we are so amazed by what you have done. But there's probably many of us in this room that also um, are astonished in, in the sense of that this is unbelievable, that God, that you uh, chose to enter into this world to this poor teenage virgin named Mary. That you, God, chose to be brought low. You humbled yourself. And you did all of this to come and rescue us and to save us. Why? After all that we have done to you, why? Why would you do this? For we are so unworthy of this. What we are worthy of is separation from you. What we are worthy of is death. What, we, what we're worthy of is to be casted out of your presence for eternity. But you chose to be brought low and you came and you lived the perfect life that none of us have lived. And you took our place on the cross and you have saved us and you have rescued us through your life and your death and your resurrection. So we praise you, Father. We magnify your grace and mercy upon us. For you are wonderful. You are amazing. I just want us to sit in this for just a moment. And I want us to just continue to reflect on what our God has done that may cause you to sing the song of Mary's praise to him that your soul magnifies and magnify him now. Praise him even right where you're at. Give him thanks and praise for all that he has accomplished through the surrender of this poor teenage virgin named Mary and the surrender of his son to purchase your salvation. Spend some time and praise him and thank him and reflect on what he has done. As we look at the bread this morning and as we look at the, the cup, it represents the total surrender of the Son of God, the King Most High, who came and surrendered everything to bring us to himself, to bring us peace, to give us a new life, to give us a new future, to give us new hopes and new dreams.
Because apart from his coming, our future was not in a very good place, was it? I mean, think about if he didn't come. What would your future be? Your future and my future would be one of misery. One of separation. One of darkness. But the light has come. He has come to us. He has come for us. And amazingly, he chose to do that through a poor teenage virgin named Mary. So as we celebrate communion and as we see the the body of, of Christ broken for us and the blood of Christ shed for us, he has done all of this to give us new life and a new future, a new hope, new dreams for all who surrender to him. Have you surrendered to him? Have you given him your life and your future? You trust him. You trust that he is the way, the truth, and life. That there is no other way to the Father except through this baby who was born to this teenage virgin. And his name is Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the King. And for all who trust in him and surrender your life to him, you have life. You have eternal life. You, you have the forgiveness of sin. You have a life everlasting in his presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, all because he came to you to rescue us. Is that you? If so, I want you to spend a little bit more time in worship. I want you to spend a little more time in thanksgiving. I want you, I want you to spend a little more time in praise to what God has done to rescue you. And when you're ready, I want you to come up. Two stations up here, there's one in the back. But listen, if, this is, if that's not you, if you uh, have not trusted in this person named Jesus Christ, what's keeping you from it? What doubts do you have? What questions do you have? What, what, what is your skepticism? I encourage you to go to the God of all creation, the one who made you right now. I want you to talk to him. I want you to give those to him. Have a conversation with him. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your questions. But if he's calling you to himself, don't run from that. Surrender to him. You can trust him. And so when the God of the universe comes to his creation, we listen and we respond in faith and giving our life to him. And we can trust him because he's good. We can trust him because we've seen this picture, what he's done to bring about our salvation. And if he has done all this for us, I can trust you. I can trust you. I can trust you. I can trust you. Come to him. But if that's not you, if you still need some time, listen, I want you to talk to maybe a friend who brought you. Just wrestle. This is a safe place. We want Providence Road to be a safe place where people can come and ask questions and doubt and wrestle with some things. But we want you to hear the truth. We want you to hear the truth of the gospel. We want you to hear the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is and, and, and his call upon our lives. So spend some time, maybe after this or whatever, talking to a friend who brought you. Continue to wrestle. Don't stop the process. Don't stop the process. Continue on. Continue on and ask. But listen, if you've surrendered your life to him, 
I want you to come and celebrate all that he is and all that he's done by taking the Lord's Supper when you're ready.